This is the Learning Curve Podcast, and I'm Pastor Scott Rambo. Welcome to the classroom. Let's dive into the Word of God and see what He has to say to us today. All right, so tonight we're going to be in Exodus 4, 24 through 26. That's the main text. Um, This was Sister Kayla. (laughs) ask about this and the answer to why is so simple but whenever we got into the particulars of who it was and how and why um, there's a lot of questions there's more questions than there are answers Um, which is just the way it is sometimes but I'm going to tell you up front that I do not know the 100% most of this that's why I posed two scenarios I gave you some absolutes Two scenarios, I know the why, and I can tell you the types and the shadows of it, but I, can, I will not, I don't have the authority, nor do I have the, <clears throat> the knowledge to tell you 100% assurity that either one of these scenarios is right. So that's where I'm going to leave it. And I could not find many other people who would do that themselves, and I respect a lot of these individuals, so I definitely don't think I know more than they do. If you would, bow your heads. Father, thank you for yet another time to be in your word, Lord. I thank you for each one who's gathered in here tonight, Father. I pray in Jesus' name that as we go through this word, Lord, that you would reveal it to us. Father, if there's something that we've missed, if there's something that's not understood, we know that this is a living word. And as we study it, you can even bring those things to our remembrance. You can explain things and expound on things that we thought that we once knew. Father, I thank you that we're able to gather like this and we're able to speak on the Bible Talk to one another, reason things out. And that says a lot about the people and about the place we are in our relationship with you. Be with us tonight as we go through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm just going to read it because the, the text, the actual text that was asked is very short. Exodus 4, 24 through 26. Now I'm reading from Young's literal translation. This is the original translation. This is not any of the other ones that we have, not the KJV, not the NASB, what we use. Because originally there was no name in it. There was no name. Moses' name is not in the original. So Young's translation, literal translation says, And it cometh to pass in the way, in a lodging place, that Jehovah meeteth him, okay, and seeketh to put him to death. So we're talking about the same person, understandably, as a Porah, taketh a flint, and cutteth off the foreskin of her son, and causeth it to touch his feet, and saith, Surely a bridegroom of blood art thou to me. And he desisteth from him. Then she said, A bridegroom of blood in reference to the circumcision. That's the original way that it was written when it was transliterated over by Young. Okay? This is not KJV. This is not any of the other ones that we use now. But originally, even if you look in your Bibles, I'm not saying that all of them do, but many, whenever you read it, if in your Bible, if you were to look at verse 25 when it says, and threw it at Moses' feet, some will have an asterisk. And that asterisk will tell you that it was not in the original translation. It was added. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So the, that, is, that is what Brother Scott said as we talked about this before. There's contextual evidence that would lead you to draw a conclusion. And before this is over with, I feel like everyone in here is going to draw a conclusion one way or the other. And here's the great part. It doesn't matter which one you draw. 
Either way, it doesn't matter if you're right or if I'm right about this or if you're wrong or I'm wrong about this because it doesn't matter who it was. What it matters is why it happened and then the outcome of it. Okay, so we're going to go into particulars of it, but they really don't matter. But so let's look at the absolutes of this passage. God was seeking to kill someone. That's a reality. You know, we begin there, it says, I'm going to read out of the NASB because that's what I have open. It says in verse 24, Now it came about at the lodging place on the way that the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Okay, so God is trying to kill someone. So, okay, another absolute is the offense was, was a covenant disobedience. It was because the child was not circumcised. We can find that in verse 25, there follows... Then Zephora took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin. Okay, since she cut the foreskin off, we go into 26, it says, So he let him alone. So this individual that he was trying to kill, because the foreskin was removed from the firstborn child, now he's let him alone and he's not going to die. That's the absolutes. That's what we know, 100%. It's right there. Now, let's get into the sec- to this part. Um, why was Genesis 17, 9 through 14, if you would like to turn there, we're going to see why it's so important that, why was the offense so egregious? Let's put it that way. Why was God seeking to kill someone? Because in Genesis 7 and 9, 17 and 9, we'll start there. We're going back to, this is covenantial. God said further to Abraham, Now as for you, you shall keep my covenant you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Every one of them. All right, so then 11. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be the sign of the covenant between me and you. He's a grown man. And it started with him, and then any of those that were of that Guess what happened to them as grown men? They were also circumcised. Okay. So we'll continue on. It says in in 12, And every male among you who is eight days old shall be circumcised throughout your generations. A servant who was born in the house or who was bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendants, even those, even those that you take into your house, this is a sign of the covenant. You must, they must be circumcised. And then in... 13, it says, A servant who is born in your house or who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. Thus shall my covenant be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. Okay. 14, But an uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So it was a very egregious thing. <clears throat> so as I was studying this, I was like, well, let's just see how egregious it is. So if you want to turn to John chapter 7. All right, we know how the, how the Hebrews, the Pharisees, uh, the Sadducees, all of these individual groups, how they were keepers of the law. Okay, the Sabbath was a very, very important day to them. And on the Sabbath, there were so many laws of all the things you couldn't do, right? But this is an account of Jesus, and he is also explaining how important the religious adherence was to them in this exchange that he has with them. In John chapter 7, verse 21, we will read. 
He says this, Jesus says, Jesus answered them, I did one deed and you all marvel. He had healed someone and you all marvel. For this reason, Moses has given you circumcision, not because it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And on the Sabbath, you circumcise a man. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses will not be broken, are you angry with me because I have made an entire man well on the Sabbath? Uh, that's a pretty good question, isn't it? It says, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Here's the deal. They, they, you should not have circumcised people. That's work, guys. That would be a work. But they knew that the covenant that we just read right here, because what was the last thing that he said? If you are not circumcised, you are not one of mine. You are cut off, and you're cut off for eternity. This was the covenant that they had. Now, what is the covenant that we're under now? That was John 7, 21 through 23. So now we're under a different covenant now, but the covenant still requires blood. And if we're not found under that covenant, then we will be cut off for forever. So that's where we get into the end is the types and the shadows. Start looking at what's happening here and think about the other things you know throughout the Bible that require blood, things that happen. So we understand it's part of the, the covenant. It's necessary. And we see Jesus Christ himself saying how important that is that they were circumcised. So in scenario one, this is where we're going to start. We're going to go through two scenarios and see what we can figure out. So scenario one, let's just say that the hymn is Moses in this instance. We're going to use Moses' name each time. All right, so starting in Exodus 4, 10 through 26, let's look at the exchange that God has with Moses and try and set the stage to see if it were him. So in 10, then Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. The Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes him mute or deaf, or seeing or blind? Is it not I the Lord? Now then go, and I even, I will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to say. But he said, Please, Lord, now send the message by whomever you will. We see them. What's, what does verse 14 say? That's the key. The anger of the Lord burned against Moses, and he said, Is there not your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he speaks fluently. So God is upset. His anger burned toward him. I know that people are angry at me, but if someone said, I'm mad at you, but if they said, my anger burns toward you, it would add a whole other level of urgency on my part. I'd be like, it does what? <laughs> it burns, yes, with a fervent heat. That's in my mind, that's what I see. So then it says uh, in 15, I'm sorry, and moreover, behold, he is coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. So his brother is going to come out and meet him. God's already seen this. So does God have foreknowledge? In this instance, God has foreknowledge because he says, I know that your, your brother speaks fluently. And moreover, behold, he is coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. So this is, he's already telling him what's going to happen as he goes, just as he told him what? Whenever you go to Pharaoh and you tell him this, because he's already argued with God, guys. He's already told him, well, they're going to laugh at me. They're going to do whatever. And he says, no, you go and do what I say, and that's what's going to happen. So he says, you, in 15, you are to speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I, even I, will be with your mouth and his mouth, and I will teach you what you are to do. Moreover, he shall speak for you to the people, and he will be as a mouth for you, and you will be as God to him. You shall take in your hand this staff 
with which you shall perform the signs. Now he's already showed him all of these things that he can do. Starting in 18. Then Moses departed and went to Jethro his father-in-law and said to him, Please let me go that I may return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see if they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. Now the Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go back to Egypt for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons, that's plural notice, and mounted them on a donkey and returned to the land of Egypt. Moses also took the staff of God in his hand. Whose staff was it? It was the staff of God that he had given him. So in verse 21, we pick back up. This is what we're going to use as context to see, was it truly Moses that God was seeking to kill? Now this is just something we have to, we're trying to discern. All right, so in verse 14 that we've already read, the Lord is angered toward God, correct? We already know that God is angry with him. I'm sorry, towards Moses. He's angry at Moses. So let's look in 21. The Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have put in your power, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. So he's receiving instruction from God. Then you shall see to Pharaoh, say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I said to you, Let my son go that he may serve me, but you have refused to let him go. Behold, I will kill your son, your firstborn. That's the instruction that God has given to Moses to give to Pharaoh to tell him, if you don't do what I say, I'm going to kill your firstborn. So then it, it goes to, it, it starts a new paragraph, but it goes to 24. Now it came about at the lodging place on the way that the Lord met him. Let's just say Moses. Now it came about at the lodging place on the way that the Lord met Moses and sought to put him to death. Then Sephora took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and threw it at Moses' feet. And she said, You are indeed a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. That would be Moses. At the time, she said, You are a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. So let's look at verse 24. Let's say the Lord sought to kill Moses. That's where we begin. So now it came at the lodging place on the way that the Lord met Moses and sought to put him to death. Verse 25. This is where we start getting into the questions. Why is it that Moses did not circumcise his firstborn son? And one of the things that they say is it's possible that the reason he didn't is because he was incapacitated with whatever sickness God had put on him and he was nigh unto death. Like he's near death. God is there and he is going to put him to death and so he doesn't have the ability to do what? He doesn't have the ability to circumcise so his wife has to do it. Does that make sense? That is a possibility, but does the text say that? It does not. There's a lot of questions in this text that we do not have answered, but you know, we're going we're gonna to go through this. So then in 25, it says, So he let him alone. So God let Moses alone, and then he, she talks about the bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. And that's at that time whenever she did this. Now understand, let's think about this in, a, in context too. Moses is 80 years old. All right, he has two sons. This is not a baby that's being circumcised. This is a young teenager or a grown man. He's somewhere between, let's just say, he's got to be somewhere between 13 and 35 is what they guess. Yeah, this is not a baby because this is the firstborn is... is the one that they're saying that was Gershom is the firstborn, right? 
Why else would God want to kill Moses in this instance? Because he is going to give him the law, correct? God has given Moses the law. If the one who is to get the law, deliver the law, cannot keep the law, why should he live? How can he, how can he take and go to the Egyptians, the heathens who do not circumcise according to the Hebrew way? Because come to find out, guess what, guys? The Egyptians, they also, they also circumcised, but as we found out, but it was only prestigious people. It wasn't everyone. Their priests, their kings, their princes, they were circumcised also. So it wasn't as though they didn't know what circumcision was. Okay? But how could God allow him to lead his people and give them the law, but yet he has not had his firstborn son circumcised? As the covenant says, he's out of covenant. Now, also, how did that happen? Why do you think that that's another reason they say that they think it was him? Because Sephora, his wife, if Moses is not able to do this, and they've had this conversation over and over about knowing that they needed to circumcise this child, correct? She immediately does it because she knows what? If she doesn't, he's, one of them is going to die. In this scenario, we're saying it's Moses. So she immediately takes and circumcises this child so that her husband will not die. But why was he not circumcised? Yet another thing that we can't answer. As me and Brother Scott were talking about this. There's only two places in the world where people are predominantly circumcised. That is the Middle East, because it's based on these things, or America. America, most people are circumcised here. But it's for a totally different reason. So how many conversations have, I don't know about you guys, but you, you have a conversation about your, your, your child when they're born. Are we going to circumcise our child or not? I would assume you do. That's a question that you have. Should we do that? Are we not going to do that? So did they have that conversation? We don't know because it doesn't tell us. That's where our biggest problem is. There's so many questions that we don't have. So that's scenario one. So I have a question. In that scenario, can you tell me, do you feel like that would be legitimate reason for God to kill Moses? Can you... Tell me, I mean, anything. Just give me some feedback. Like in this instance, he's already angered God. Now, the last thing that we hear is he's going to go and deliver all of this to Pharaoh, but he hasn't even done the covenantial thing by circumcising his own child. Does that seem to you like that would be legitimate that God would want to kill him? Okay. Okay, so we, we agree that it's justified. There's a, it's justifiable that he is going to do that. But is anybody with just the little bit of time that we spent right here, is anybody completely convinced that this is Moses at this point? I mean, we're 20 minutes in. Well, I'm sorry, we're, we're 12 minutes into this. Is anybody, as you look at that, can you say to yourself, that is definitely going to be Moses? Okay, so, all right. Does anybody have any question Not at this time? Doubt. Not beyond reasonable doubt. That, and I agree with that too. Like if we, were, if we were going to convict Moses of this crime so God could kill him, I don't have enough information at this point to do so. All right, so let's look at the second scenario. Yeah. So let's look at the second one. We're going to start again in Exodus 4 and 21. The Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have put in your power. 
but I will harden his heart so that he will not let my people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I said to you, Let my son go that he may serve me. But you have refused to let him go. Behold, I will kill your son, your firstborn. The last thing that we hear in verse, 20, in verse 23 is, is a promise to put the firstborn to death. Correct? And that's because he hardens his heart. Because Pharaoh does not do what God says, he hardens his heart. But because he's not going to do what he does, he's going to kill all their children, their firstborn. So in verse 24, it seems plausible to think now it came about at the lodging place on the way that the Lord met him and sought to put him to death because this child has not been circumcised. Whose fault is that, that he's not circumcised? It's the father's, but that doesn't matter to God. The child's not circumcised. Why was David's son killed? Was it justified? As far as in the, in the, for you and I, that was not a justified reason for him to die. Not in this world, but in God's eyes it was. God's ways are higher than our ways. He put his son to death because of what he had done. There is, there is justification for God putting this, this child, this man, this teenager to death because what, it wasn't done properly. How can he say that he's going to kill all of the firstborn of Egypt but he's not going to kill that who did not keep the covenant that he had with Abraham. Because guess what? This child, that, at this point, this is the main thing. This child is not, he's not in covenant with God. He does not belong to God. It's just like our, our children, once they get to the right age, Brother Scott taught it very well about that children up to a certain age, they go to heaven. Well, that's just how it works. But there comes a point where you have to make a decision. Right? There is a point where you make a decision. Now, if this young man, was, if he was just a kid, but if he's 28, if he's 20, if he's, he could have been circumcised because guess what he knows? He knows covenant law, but he hasn't done it either. So guess what? He is responsible for that. It just depends on the age, but guess what? It doesn't tell us any of that. So we don't know. So then we move on. Uh, Let's read again. Then in 25, Then Sipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and threw it at Moses' feet. And she said, You are indeed a bridegroom of blood to me. Now this text says Moses. The original does not say Moses. The original just says at, at his feet. Okay? His feet. So his feet. And if you go and you define what that means, it wasn't actually throwing it at his feet. It was what it what she did was is she took that foreskin and she ran it across the feet and put the blood on the feet. Okay, what did they do? What did they do at the Passover? The atoning blood was was placed there. So once the blood was applied to that individual and the blood was shed, that's whenever there was there was no need for death anymore, right? The covenant had been fulfilled and the death threat left. So at, at that, this is the, of all the things though, this is the one that got me the most, is the bridegroom. Because when we think of a bridegroom, I would think it's her husband. But when you define out bridegroom, I put it on there, it's 2860. In the original, it is one who goes through circumcision, a covenantal circumcision. 
So let's read verse, that verse with that context. So he led him alone, and at that time she said, You are a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. You, are a you who have just been circumcised are a bridegroom of blood to me. In other words, this. Before, were they, not, they were family by blood, but they were not family by covenant. Covenantly now, this child is part of the family of God. Before he was not. Now she hated the way that it was done. The right. Other nations understandably, understandably, because that seems like a very crazy thing to do, right? Brother Scott and I were talking. Can you imagine Abraham whenever God said, this is our covenant, and every man lined up for this? Grown men. Yeah, I'm pretty sure other nations thought, these people are barbarians. Are you kidding me right now? Right? But that's what it was. So this is in the same way right here. This is the bridegroom of blood means we are now in a covenantal relationship with God. Why was his wife in a covenantal? She didn't. A woman doesn't have to do that. The woman was in covenant because her husband was right. You get what I'm saying? Her husband was in the right place, but she was not in the right. She did not have to undergo any of those things, but the males did. Does that make sense? That to me of all of them, and I honestly don't have an opinion either way. I can see validity for both, but the one that gets me the most is this last part right here when it says a bridegroom of blood. She is talking about the child. We know that it was the child that she circumcised. We also knew, know when it says and threw it at his feet and said the threw doesn't mean she actually threw it. It meant she wiped the blood on. So this is what... This is one of the accounts is, is that once she circumcised the child, she knew what to do and she wiped the blood. That never has happened anywhere else in the Bible. Do you understand? Like what we're talking about right here is so obscure. Even this phrase right here, the, the um, bridegroom of blood is never used in the Bible ever again. This text is so obscure and there's so much about it that there's no way that we can know definitively unless someone gets a word from God, which I don't believe is a reality. Because here's the deal. It doesn't, none of that matters. I mean, for 15 minutes we've talked, or however long this is, and none of what we've said about that changes the fact that the reason that whoever was going to be killed was going to be killed was because the covenant was not upheld. That's the long and the short of it. With the same reason in the end that you and I if we are not truly under the blood of Christ, if we're not where we're supposed to be, y'all, we are going to die. And that death is the second death that lasts for eternity. So the why, the why is easy. Covenantal disobedience leads to death every single time. We can see that over and over throughout all the accounts. The second part of that, the types and the shadows, the Passover and the crucifixion. We see in the Passover the same thing. Blood had to be shed. All the way back to Adam, what always what had to happen? Blood was shed. Blood was shed when he made them close. All the way through, all the way to Jesus Christ because he was the eternal, last, perfect, the perfect what? Sacrifice. So with his blood, when his blood was shed, nothing else was necessary. There was, there's no need for anything else. Hebrews is just... Hebrews 3 and on... that. 
It's just, I say, eat up with it. That's what it's talking about. It's talking about He is our perfect sacrifice. There's never need for another. But all of this is leading to what? It's showing us what that's going to look like. And if you don't fall under that covenant, guys, you're not going to make it. And that, that is the biggest part. So to go back over, Exodus 24, 24 through 26, And it cometh to pass in the way, in a lodging place, that Jehovah, that's God, meeteth him, and seeketh to put him to death. And Sephora taketh a flint, and cutteth off the foreskin of her son, and causes it to touch his feet. Do you see that? She didn't throw it, she caused it to touch his feet. And there was a reason for that. Just the same way that, what did the Israelites do above their doorpost? They marked it so that they would know. Then it says, And saith, Surely a bridegroom of blood thou art to me, and he desisteth from him. That means he let him go. There was no longer death. Then, he, then she said, A bridegroom of blood in reference to the circumcision. So the question, the only other question is this, is from just that little bit, and that is just a little bit understandably, what was the reason, what was the reason that someone was being put to death? Was because what? Disobedience, yes. They had broken the covenant. It's, you're disobedient. Okay, here's the great thing about, because we're, Sister Kayla also asked about covenants. And I went through and found all the covenants that we could find in the Bible. Some of them are more like promises. And eventually we'll, we might talk about those. I don't know. It just depends. But this covenant that was made here, do you understand what he said is anybody that did not have circumcision, was not of that covenant, it says they were cut off. That's what we read. That was, it was done for. There was no mercy there. You were either circumcised on the eighth day, everything was done right, or you were none of His. Which is exactly why Jesus, when He's talking to them in the temple, because now we're not talking about physical things, we're talking about spiritual things. Jesus tells them what? I heal someone and make them whole, and you're telling me, you can circumcise someone because you believe in the law, and that's okay. But I can't, in the spiritual realm, I can't influence them through the power that my Father's given me to heal someone and make them whole. You don't see how that's more important than this? Because what? Because they still were living by the law. So we see both sides of that, right? But here's the awesome part. The covenant that we have now, because it leads from the Davidic covenant on, is... What? There's always going to be a line to the Savior. There's always going to be a way to get there. He's not throwing anything away. He's not, but this is the universal truth. If you're not in covenant with God, you are not going to make it to heaven. That's the universal truth, regardless. In, in, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, one of the things we can see is if we are not in covenant with God the Father through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, we will not make it to heaven. And we see even in, that's the thing that gets me, I don't understand in Acts chapter 5, I don't know why they were killed immediately. I'm thankful that the wages of sin is not instant like it was for them, but it's a perfect example of God, what He does whenever He wants to, because guess who makes the decision? God decides what He does, we don't. We don't get to sway his opinion. We don't get to change it. What he says is what he says. It's yes and amen. So, based on what we said and what you've looked at, 
is there anybody in here who would lean more towards that it was talking about Moses? We have one. Does anybody feel like they think it's leaning more towards Gershom, the firstborn son? We have one. Is there anybody who's just like me and I do not have a clue? I, I, don't, I don't see, personally, I don't have enough information to prove either way, personally. I can't tell you because I can go all the way back to the Hebrew scholars that, that had all of this. They can't even give you a definitive answer. There is nobody anywhere that will tell you exactly what it is, and most of them will tell you that if someone tells you exactly what this means, you need to stay away from them because there's not enough information there for them to know that. It's funny how, how I worked in maternity. Okay, you have to ask these people, do you want your child circumcised or not? Regardless if they were Baptist, Catholic, or it's yes, just there. It's just mm-hmm. something that has, they knew that that child had to be circumcised. Yes, ma'am. It's something yeah. that God wanted to do. Yes, ma'am. So I don't know, guys. Like I say, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm sitting here telling you I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, like I said, I, to me that's an assumption just because of how he had been with Moses spare his life to grow, to grow up in the house of Pharaoh, to do all these things, and then, like, you know, he's telling him, you know, I brought you all this way. Mm-hmm. Whatever I say you can do, you can do. And then Moses, I'm not having it. I can't. But I can't speak, and I can't. Yeah. So in my mind, that's what it is. He's like, every time she tells him, you can do this, no, I, I can't. You know, and, and then we know at the end of his life, he didn't get to go into the promised land. Yeah. And it was like, you know, and there was a time that Moses told God, well, you, you know, you, you're being a little harsh. You need to, because if you do that, then all the people are going to think, well, he just brought us out here to yeah, kill to us. Kill he us. repented of the evil that he yeah. was going to do. So yeah. it's like it was an ongoing thing between he and Moses in their relationship that a lot of times he was very, you know, I mean, it's documented where you don't see that maybe near as much in other people's lives that were, in the Bible, even. Yeah. Of course, we know he did try Saul blind and he became Paul, but once he became Paul, he didn't. Just like he's the most decorated person that yeah. was a prophet of God, that God really, you know, got ill with him several times, and that's why. Yeah. That's what leads me to think that that's probably who it was. Yeah. But because he just, no matter what he told him, you know, he, he wanted to see it his way. I got I to gotta have help. Like, yeah, that's like even when I thought about that too. And then when he struck the rock with his brother, God killed his brother immediately. But Moses lived. Yet another instance where Moses should have died and he didn't. Which, Aaron's sons died too, didn't they? In that, at that instance? No, 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 no. No, no, they followed him up and took his clothes, but yes, eventually. Yeah. But he died that day. And then Moses died. Well, the Lord took his life, even while his eye was still bright, and he, could, he had life left in him, 
and buried him somewhere so he couldn't be martyred, where no one would know. Wow. That's a fact. Very much so. Very much so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't have been just a martyr. They would have said, Moses, my yep. God. Yep. He was, he was yeah. So that's, an, that's another, just coming from that, his, his entirety of his life is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like all of those instances with him, all the things that, he just had an amazing life. He really did. Does anybody think that it was Gershom? Or if they do, what, what makes them lean that way? I, I kind of lean that way just a little bit. For me, it's one of those deals where I, I, I kind of lean more towards looking at like the story of Jonah, where we look and these are prophets risen up by God for a purpose. And I don't believe that God at that time was seeking to kill Moses. I think he was seeking to kill his son, a lot like with David, because in that same he never tried to kill Jonah. He put Jonah through a whole bunch of crap. Mm-hmm. He made his life horrible. But he was, you're going to be my mouthpiece, and by God, you're going to be my mouthpiece. Yeah. That's exactly what he did, because he's God, and he does what he wants. And he'll destroy anything to get someone's attention. Yeah. I know that. And that, that's why, for me, especially whenever you explain the bridegroom thing, and where immediately after it says, you are a, a groom of blood because of the circumcision, that sounds like something that would be said to the son and not to Moses. Not to Moses. Especially with the tradition of wiping the blood on the feet and everything. Yeah. So... And some of them, some of them see it that way. Some of them see it that way also. They call it the angel because they're saying it's the angel of the Lord, but they're saying that it was thrown at the feet of the angel. That's why there's, there's, that's the the thing about this. There's no definitive answer because we can't give one because there's not enough context there for us to say one way or the other. So that's the great part, though, is it doesn't matter who it was. What matters is the reason why and what it's leading to. Because the truth is, all of this is leading to Christ. Just as everything in the Old Testament does, everything leads to where? Everything's a type or a shadow of Christ. It's dumb because he wanted it. That's a reality. So, so y'all ready for y'all ready for my rebuttal? Yes, sir. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I sitting here, I didn't get no revelation. I do have a biblical, a biblical uh, string to pull as to why I think that was Moses, but it really doesn't matter. Okay, because if you look at the bottom of your handout. Said types and shadows of the Passover and the crucifixion. This is pointing to Christ. Mm-hmm. And if you go to the original Hebrew, I'm going to do my best to uh, to read this because it's backwards and put some Brazilianese slang on Hebrew. <laughs> okay. Uh, Mulah, not money. Mulah, Dane, Hashan, Amer, as mine. Repay. Okay? 
which means in backwards, okay? You are, because of the circumcision, a bloody husband or bridegroom. Mm -hmm. uh, then him, uh, then in him was let go. Right, so that was verse 26. Mm -hmm. So we'll read it again. <coughs> but so the way that the Hebrew along. is putting it is that this right here, oh, I'm back over here, I'm sorry. We'll start at 25. Then Zipporah took, took, it says the same thing, the flint and cut her son's foreskin and threw it at Moses' feet. And she said, you are indeed a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. Uh, and if you have like the NASB, we know that so he capital God. yeah it's capital H. God there. So that's one that we don't have to worry about. We know that. One. At that time, she said, "You are a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision." So it's said twice, so that's significant, right? We know in Hebrew writings, if it's said twice, especially back to back, that's significant. It's also said twice, I believe because she is saying it to both her son and Moses. Okay. Uh, and if you read back, it starts in chapter 3, chapter 2, I'm sorry, when Moses Moses basically runs up on a group of women, and shepherds are trying to have their way with them, and he runs them off. And Zephorah goes back to her father, who is a priest, not Jethro. Jethro. Mm -hmm. He's a Canaanite priest. Yeah. And, uh, says, uh, Jethro says, why are you back so early? The way he's supposed to be getting water. Why are you back so early? And she says, an Egyptian saved us from the shepherds. And Jethro wants to see him. And because of the reward, Zephora is given to Moses. So he marries, he marries her. So Moses is then grafted in because of history says he had seven daughters, no sons. We were talking about this the other day. Mm -hmm. So Moses was actually adopted that have the bloodline but now he's out of the covenant he's covenantal because yeah. he, he, he's a Jew but now he's grafted into this, this pagan priest and he takes a wife and he has a son and he doesn't carry on the covenant yeah. so that brings into what ties into me 1 Timothy 3 okay an overseer then must be above reproach could Moses have led the Israelites whenever he didn't even have his house in order? No. No, right? Nope. So who was on the deathbed and who wasn't? And, and we, don't have, we don't have textual evidence to prove one way or the other. What we do know, I believe, is, is exactly what you talked about. They had to be put back in the covenant. Right? Yep. They had to be put back in the covenant because Moses was about to lead these people into give them the law, give them the law, yeah. Be the spokesperson for God, and they're going to look at Moses as their leader and say, "Well, he he's a, he's a pagan. He doesn't even his family isn't even. Yeah. How are we supposed to uphold this law when you don't even do it? That's true. So he's the he's the overseer of the of the house of Israel. So God, yeah, God's going to kill him. Are you going to get right? Because exactly what you said, I'm going to have a spokesperson. Zipporah is a Midianite. <laughs> Yeah, Midianite. Yeah, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. I said Canaanite. Midianite. And that's but, but her the, father's the son a priest. is getting. Yeah, is a, he's half Midianite. Yeah, right, so. and he's in line for a pagan priesthood. Mm -hmm. 
So he has to be circumcised to be in covenant. But but he is the key. That's why I say it's to the Passover and to the crucifixion. The covenant is made with the son. But that brings the father and the mother into in the covenant, covenant as well through the through the blood. Mm-hmm. The son ties both of them back together. So looking to the crucifixion, what ties us to our father? Well, it's the son. The son. So okay. I lean towards Moses, but it doesn't matter. Most people do. Because what, what matters is God was going to kill someone until things were right. Until it was made right. And when it comes to when it comes to salvation, we're born dead people. Mm-hmm. Until things are made right. Look at what all it what what hinged all the children of Israel in bondage hinged on him getting this straight so he can be that yeah. leader, you know, lead them out. It's, like, it's, I've done all of this. I've saved you from the Egyptians when you were a babe, brought you all this way. Now mm-hmm. you're going to do something that you're not going to do something that you know you have to do. Yeah. It it the, it was a it was an easy answer as to the why, but there was more questions posed once you answered the why, because there's no definitive answer. It doesn't tell you exactly what it is, which is there's. It's like Bible clue. It's all obeying God. It's all about being obedient. That's correct. Yes, ma'am. Just being obedient. Professor Moses with a pipe wrench. To me, it's very illuminating to look at it in, in a whole. We know, we always say, we teach, we preach that the whole Bible is about Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, here, here's the evidence of that. It's even to the to the point to where Abraham and the, the priest of Melchizedek, there's so much ambiguity with that guy. We don't even know where he comes from, where he goes. He was a king. Yeah, we he know nothing. Priest. We know he was born. We know he died. But they leave that out because he is he is a typophony of Christ. And yeah. There's ambiguity here too because yeah. it really doesn't matter the circumstances. What matters is there's a Christ to come. Yeah. There's going to be a Passover. There's going to be a Passover lamb. And there's going to be a Passover lamb to come. Yeah. That's going to write all this. Yeah. And it's even that, that we're not we're not bound by the the law of flesh, but we're circumcised in the heart. Yeah. It's, it's a spirit. The circumcision that we have is that of the heart. So yeah, so that was that's what I presented the evidence both ways because that's the only way that I knew to do it, and everybody draws their conclusion. But that's that's. But I don't know. This was pretty neat to me because there were more questions. As I got into it, I found more questions than I could find. The answer was simple, but the questions were many. Knowing that death of your firstborn, when he went to Pharaoh, knowing that that was going to come, and so that just—I can see how like—it's a very—it's a very—it's a very interesting study. It is. Anytime you see, I'm not going to say anytime because I'm not going to speak but most times, if we don't have all of the detail, but we have a conclusion. Chances are, that's all that matters. 
<laughs> yeah. That's right. Is there any more questions? Anyone? No? Okay. Well, I'm going to dismiss this then. Father, thank you for another time to, to be in your word. Lord, I thank you for the answers that were here tonight, God, in your word, that we have a better understanding of who you were then. And we thank you for Christ tonight and for the covenant that we have through his blood with you, Father, that you've grafted us into the family that God, not only are we a part of that family, but because you filled us with your spirit, we are now a part of you. We thank you, Father, for your sacrifice, for your mercy, that before the foundations of the earth, you chose a, a group, you chose a bride for your son. And Father, not only that, but you made a way that all of those would persevere. Father, I just pray that you would touch each one of us in our bodies if we have infirmities, that you would speak to us on those things that we have problems with, God, whether they be spiritual, whether it be physical or mental. God, we thank you for all that you've done for us, all those things you've kept from us. Be with us as we go through the rest of this week. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to the Learning Curve podcast brought to you by Abundant Grace Church here in DeVille, Louisiana. Uh, we invite you to look at our webpage, it is www.abundantgracechurchonline.com. Uh, there you can find all the different ways that you can uh, be in contact with us. Thank you.